Welcome to Thrive. We are so happy to have you here. My name is Judah. I'm lead pastor here at Thrive, and we welcome all of our campuses, or if you're watching online or on TV, we welcome you as well. And we are in a series called Equipped, and throughout this series, we are looking at the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us and how the Holy Spirit equips us to do the work that he has prepared for us here on this earth. God has given each and every one of us who follow Jesus, he's given us spiritual gifts, he is the source of these gifts, and all too often we allow these gifts to go unopened and unused and sitting on the shelf. But God has given us these gifts for a reason, so that we can take them out, we can use them, and we can use them for a very specific purpose to advance his kingdom. Now, kind of a founding principle throughout this series is this idea of how we are to use the gifts, and that is that we are to use them in love. In fact, that's the first thing that's in your notes is that gifts are to be used in love to serve people and point them to Jesus. Anytime someone may be using a gift and they are not using it to serve people and point people to Jesus, then they're not using it in an appropriate way. See, God has given us these gifts, but it's up to us to, to use them in a way that brings him honor and him glory. So throughout this, we're taking a look at five different gifts that God gives to the church. And they're more like gift categories, if you will, that the gifts that God has given you usually will fit into one of these five categories. And this is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. God has given these gifts to the church. All of these gifts. In fact, our church can't operate properly if not all of these areas are represented. It's not like we just focus on one. We need all of these to fully embrace and to fully accomplish the mission that God has given us. And so if you are following Jesus, you have at least one of these. You may have more than one of them, but you have at least one. And if you have more than one, generally one of them is stronger in your life than some of the others. But see, we have a role to play. See, God gives us the gift, and, and sometimes that we think that when God gives us a gift, all we have to do is start using it, and we should be mastering this gift that God has given us. But in fact, we have some work to do. In fact, in your notes, our job is to discover and to develop our gifts. We have to discover them and develop them. And so throughout this series, hopefully, we're able to discover them in ourselves, or maybe we're able to talk to people who, who know us and care about us, and they can maybe help us to discover them. And then once we discover them, it's up to us to develop them. It's just like get, being given a seed. You know, the seed, uh, it, it doesn't have a, a lot uh, of fruit from it yet until it's planted and cultivated and it begins to grow. And our gift is much like that. It has to be cultivated and developed. So there's these five gifts that we see. The apostles, these are the ones who establish order, who dream big dreams, who launch new initiatives. There's the prophets who speak on, on behalf of God to build up the church. 
There's the evangelists who declare the good news of Jesus Christ. There's the pastors who shepherd and protect and guide and counsel. There's teachers who instruct people in understanding Scripture properly. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about apostle and how that's kind of an unusual word. Well, today we're talking about uh, evangelist, which you can circle in your notes, evangelist. And, and it's also kind of an unusual term. Like we don't really use it a whole lot. And usually when we do use it, it's kind of a negative thing. Whether it's an evangelist for, for faith or whether it's, say, a product evangelist, right? Or a political evangelist. Usually it's kind of a negative idea. It's someone who's maybe kind of forceful, right? Forceful in their beliefs, trying to, 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 to uh, influence you to change your belief system. We tend to think of them as people who are very biased, perhaps even manipulative. And this is the problem sometimes with this idea of being an evangelist. I know myself and, and the way I was brought up, there was a lot of ideas of evangelism and many of them was how to convince somebody, sometimes even almost how to trick somebody into following Jesus. And I'm like, if I have to trick them, then maybe it's not legitimate. Like maybe trickery is not the best way here. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll give you an example of something that, that I did because I really wanted to be used by God and I really wanted to reach people uh, for, for the kingdom, but, but it's not my, my greatest gift. So I went out with a friend of mine into some projects and we were in the projects and, and he had a school bus with him and I went out there and I started juggling and got a crowd of kids surrounding me. And, and so as they're watching me juggle, we were doing this thing for a while. I said, hey guys, why don't you get on the bus and we're gonna take you to vacation Bible school and we're gonna have a great time. So we got all the kids on the bus and I kidnapped like 50 kids. The amazing thing is nobody even called us for three days of doing this. <laughs> Eventually we learned about permission slips and such things as that, so don't go trying to report me or anything. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, it wasn't particularly my, my gift, and it was, it, it was something like I was trying to do something, trying to do something good, but, but it wasn't really in my wheelhouse specifically, at least not that method, and I don't really suggest or recommend kidnapping as a way to lead people to faith in Christ. See, when we think about evangelism, oftentimes we think about somebody knocking at the door, saying, excuse me, do you have a few moments to talk to, talk to me about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know when you're, where you're going to go when you die? And, and this is a common practice. And in fact, a lot of people, they, they want to go door-to-door witnessing or door-to-door -door evangelizing. And I don't know about you, but personally, if somebody comes to my door unannounced, I don't care who it is, I don't want to talk to them. Right? It's like, like we're like, hide, everybody get under the couch. Like, don't let them know that we're here. Like in some places, maybe in the South, in the Midwest, they love that. They embrace it. Let's cook you dinner. Let's have a great time. But here in Connecticut, in New England, we're kind of like, you know what? What are you doing on my property? Like, like you're trespassing right now. Like, if I didn't invite you, and even if I did invite you, I'm not sure I want you here. See, this is the thing. We have that, or another idea that we get about evangelism is, is like these late night TV show televangelists, right? And they're always out there and, they're, and they're, they're asking for money and their hair is slicked over and it looks perfect, but it seems a little bit manipulative. No, this is not what God wants. He doesn't want us to, to try to manipulate and arm twist people to coming to faith in Jesus Christ. No, this has to be done through love. All of these gifts need to be based and rooted in love. See, 
Evangelism, though, we need to realize this, is God's plan to reach people with this message of good news. God wants to speak to this world and reach the people that are in your neighborhood, in your school, at your uh, place of employment. God wants to reach them through you. And each of us are God's plan for reaching the world. Now, I don't know. Sometimes I question God's sanity. I'm like, why did he pick us? Like, like out of all the ways and out of all the strategies he could have used to reach this world, why did he pick you? And why did he pick me? I don't know, but that's his plan. He chose to use you and to use me. And it's a simple plan after all. It's a simple salvation message that all of us have sinned. That you have sinned and I have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard and we deserve punishment and the punishment is death. And we couldn't pay the price of, of sin. And as a result, there's a separation that happened. We were separated from God. So Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross to forgive our sins. And he rose again and now if we believe in God and we confess to him that he will forgive us and he will make us a part of his family it's a simple message. It says here in Romans 10, verse 13, it's just so simple. Let's listen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For who? Everyone. Does that mean the person you like least in this world? Yes, even them. For everyone, each and every person, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we try to make all these other extra hoops. It's like, yeah, that's good, but you also have to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't do all those things, and all this doesn't matter. No, it's simple here. It says all you need to do is call on the name of the Lord. But look where else it goes here. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? See, we know that's part of it, that you have to believe in your heart, and then we call on him. All right, first I have to believe that God can save me. I have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and then I call on him, but how can I call if I don't believe, right? Continuing on, and how can they believe if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go without them and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How Anybody here have beautiful feet? Anybody have beautiful feet? Like, okay, a couple of people are like, yeah, I do. How many people, you don't want to talk about feet, right? It's like, like we're not going to talk about this right now. Like, feet are not generally the most attractive part of somebody's body. Like, like we're, you know, especially some of us. Like, you, you might have some, you know, some weird calluses. Maybe you got some nail fungus. I don't know, some bunions or corns or whatever is going on down there. We don't want to see it, okay? But here... From God's perspective, if you are telling people about Jesus, he says that you have beautiful feet. So you can go around and say, hey, I got beautiful feet. I'm not going to show you, but God thinks I have beautiful feet. See, he says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. See, here's the thing. In your notes, we talked about this a moment ago, but you are God's plan to reach the world. You are God's plan to reach the world. You are God's plan to reach your neighborhood, your community, your your place of employment, your job, your school. You are God's plan to reach the world. But let's be honest here. Some people are more gifted in this than others. Some people have the gift, but we're all still required to share our faith with others. Even if it's not your primary gift, we all still have an obligation to share our faith. But evangelists 
If this is your primary gift, you have the ability to share your faith in a convincing and an inviting way. See, in your notes, evangelism is simply inviting people to follow Jesus. That's all it is. It's nothing complicated. It's just inviting them. Will you come and follow Jesus? It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you need to, to know the, the Romans road and the four spiritual laws and, and all of these other you know, formulas and all these other strategies and how to, how to answer somebody. Do, say, no, I'm just inviting you to come and follow Jesus. That's it. And a real evangelist, they love spending their time with people who are far from God. Because that's how they get to know people. That's how they see the people who are hurting and broken. Many Christians, we try to create this Christian bubble where everybody around me is just a Christian like me. How can we reach people that are far from God if the only people that we're close to are also close to God? How, how can we do that? How, how, do, how can we ever expect to make a difference in this world if we're not around some people who are a little bit worldly? Now, I'm not saying you should allow them to drag you into the behaviors that they're doing, but we need to be around them and show them love and, and, and be to a point where they can trust us and confide in us. Anybody ever heard of Billy Graham before? Of course you've heard of Billy Graham, right? That's a dumb question. We've all heard of Billy Graham. Most of us, if you haven't, well, let me tell you, he was probably the most famous evangelist in recent history. In fact, they say that Billy Graham preached to more people than any other human has ever preached to people since the foundation of Christianity. He's preached to more people. In fact, they say that he has personally spoken through his, um, through, through his uh, crusades and through TV and through movies. He's spoken to billions of people. In fact, they have record of over 3.2 million people who have responded to his invitation to receive Christ in their life. 3.2 million people. He was considered a pastor to the presidents. He knew at least 12 consecutive presidents, and he would go and he would pray with them and offer them counsel and spiritual advice. He knew the queen, and he knew the royal family, and they would invite him to different events. Now, if that's what it means to be an evangelist, I don't know if any of us qualify, right? Like, like how, how, do we, how can we live up to that expectation? If, if when you think of evangelists, you think of Billy Graham, who else can fill those shoes? See, but we fail to realize that, that he had a gift and he had a calling on his life, but God had a specific purpose for him. But that does not lessen the gift that God has put in you. You are just as valuable to the kingdom of God than Billy Graham was. Now, here's the thing. Billy Graham did not come to faith in Jesus Christ until he was around 16 years old. 16 years old. He was a teenager. And you know how he came to faith in Christ? Because he was invited to come to a church meeting by a farmhand that worked on his family farm. This guy's name was Albert McMakin. You've probably never heard the name Albert McMakin before, but Billy Graham was invited by Albert McMakin, and Billy went to, the, uh, to this church service, and he gave his life to Jesus, and the rest is literally history. It's crazy, though, to think that the most famous evangelist in the world might not have been if it wasn't for this guy, Albert, who took a step and invited, who took a step. Now, you may not be the next Billy Graham, but you might be the next Albert. You might be the next person who can just invite, say, hey, why don't you just come? Why don't you just come and, and, and listen to the message? Or, or here, let, let me just sit with you and, and, and I'll try to answer your questions. Let's just talk about Jesus. Let's read the Bible together. And, and you extend an invitation. You, you're, you become a listening ear. You show love and compassion to people who are hurting. You, you're there when they need you. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're not gonna speak to billions, but you can speak to one. See, and this is what God has called us to do. Now, 
throughout this series, we've been talking about potential pitfalls. And these are things that sometimes if we have the gift, um, there, there might be some negatives to it as well. And, and for many of us, it's easier to recognize the negatives in our own life than it is to recognize the positive. So here's some of the, the potential negatives if you have this gift of evangelism. The first is that you push too hard too fast. Now this is something that a lot of people, they come to faith in Christ and they push too hard too fast. They want that decision. It's like, like I, I, I just told you, you know, the whole plan of salvation. I just told you about Jesus. Now, 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 now let's, let's pray right now. Let's receive Christ into your life right now. And, and it comes across like kind of a, a cheesy, sleazy salesman. You know, it's like, like I just want to notch in my belt. I'm just going to put another, you know, mark on the wall saying, oh, I led this person. I want to hit my goals. I want to compare stories with somebody else. I want to, I want to do all this. And, and it becomes kind of manipulative. You're pushing too hard, too fast. I know so many people that have totally alienated their family and their friends after only a few months of following Christ because they pushed too hard too fast. The other thing that we could potentially do if we have this gift is that we take credit for what only the Holy Spirit can do. We take credit for it. And, and, and you go and you, you try to convince and you try to manipulate and you try to argue. Listen, scolding and lecturing and winning arguments will never lead somebody to Jesus. Like, that's not what's going to do it. Just because maybe you have more information than somebody else is not going to be what it takes to lead somebody to Jesus. See, the, the Bible says that they'll know that we're Christians by the love that we show. Are we willing to just listen? And then we take credit for it. Say, well, well, look what I did. Look, I, I saved this person. No, you didn't. Jesus saved them. The Holy Spirit saved them. Another kind of pitfall that's a potential for us is that we try to scare them into faith. And this is only by only talking about hell and sin. And there's a lot of strategies around this that, that people talk about. Like, I just want to convince you that you're just like a, a dirty, rotten sinner. And yeah, of course we are. We need salvation and we need Jesus, but they're just trying to scare them in. See, our goal is to build a bridge, not to burn one. Our, our goal is, is to say, yes, all of us have sinned, but, but guess what? Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way that we can be made right with God. The other potential pitfall that evangelists tend to have is the love you and leave you strategy. And, and see, this is that, that they'll go and they'll, they'll share their faith with somebody and as soon as somebody says, you know what, I am gonna follow Jesus, they're like, okay, I'll see you later. And they just go on to the next person and just like, like okay, I love you, but now, now you're on your own. See, we are called to make disciples. This is the very last thing that Jesus told us to do. He gave us this great commission and we see this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make, what does it say? Disciples. It doesn't say go and make converts. You know what a convert is? A convert is someone who changes their mind. They, they convert, they change their mind. Say, I was going this way, now I'm gonna go this way. But a disciple is something different. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach these new disciples. So, so your job's not done yet. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, in your notes, God wants us to make disciples, not converts. See, it's important for us to realize that this is a journey that we are going on. This is a process. It's not just simply a decision. And once you make the decision, then, okay, I'm on to the next person. If you've been given this gift of, of evangelism, this is a, a journey that you're going on with this person. 
that it's not just trying to convince them to come to church once, but it's being with them through the thick and the thin and helping them to, to get the uh, answers to the questions that they may have. Now again, I don't particularly have the gift of evangelism. I, I invite people to come to church and they never show up. I don't know why. Um, I, I'll invite them, I'll, I invite them, I invite them, and they don't come. And, but, but it doesn't mean that I stop trying. You know, I continue to invite them and maybe someday somebody will come. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, finally. So other people, you know, you'll invite people or they'll come up to you and say, hey, can I go to church with you? I'm like, who does that? Like nobody ever does that with me. But, but some of you, like people come and say, hey, you know what? I just see how you're living your life and I wanna come to church with you. Don't underestimate that because very likely that's the gift of evangelism at work in your life. Now, even if evangelism though isn't your primary gift, we should all work on being able to share our faith, being willing to invite. We're all called to share the good news, to let people know what God is doing in our life. It's kind of like, kind of like going fishing, right? Has anybody here ever been fishing before? Anybody been fishing? Okay, a lot of you have been fishing. Some of you are lying about it because fishermen are liars generally, um, right? They're like, how big was the fish you caught? It was this big, right? You know, it wasn't. We know it wasn't, but it's fun to tell the story anyway. Um, here's the great thing about fishing, right? All of us can do it. Any, any one of you, you can all go fishing. Like, it's, it's, it's a great hobby. You can go, you can get a fishing rod, you can get some bait, you can get a lure, you can cast it in the water, and chances are, you can catch a fish too, right? So fishing, it's a very low entry level. Like, anybody could do it, but there's also professional fishermen, right? And professional fishermen, they do it differently. Like, they can always catch fish in any uh, environment, in any situation, on any kind of tackle. They can always go out there and catch fish. In fact, uh, my dad and I, we hired a guy to take us uh, fly fishing, to teach us this, this highly specific style of fly fishing. And, uh, and, and so we're out there trying to learn this, this Czech nymphing style of fly fishing, and we're out there, and, and I'm trying, and I'm trying. I'm fishing for hours and hours, and I'm out there, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm just not quite getting it. And, and he's like, he, he grabs my fly rod, he's like, let me show you how. He casts it, and he catches a fish. I'm like, wait, Wait a minute. <laughs> like you're, you're standing in the same place with the same rod, the same line, the, 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 the same nymph on the end, and, and you caught a fish and I didn't. Like what is the deal? See, I could do it. I enjoy it, but he's a professional at it. See, in much the same way, we can all share our faith, but there's some people that are just exceptionally good at it, that they're just gifted at it, and they can do it better than anyone else, but that doesn't mean that we only say, well, then that's just up to you then. Like we all take this role Responsible. See, Jesus said he's called us to be fishers of men, like that we're out there sharing our faith with other people. Because the truth of the matter is this, is people have an appointment with God. You have an appointment with God. I have an appointment with God. And see, God wants to use you to bring light into this dark world. See, evangelism is what we're here to do, to share our faith. And it's not only our job, but it should be a byproduct of living a Christ-like life. Like, as we are following Jesus, we should want to share what God is doing in our life. This doesn't mean that we come across heavy-handed. We're not shoving anything down anybody's throat. We're not trying to be manipulative. We're not trying to do anything like that. But what we do is that we share what God is doing in our life. We tell the story of how he's moving in our life. And then the church expands. When spirit-filled believers, followers of Jesus, are willing to share their faith with others. So, how did Jesus model evangelism. He started with love. He always started with love. He always loved people. He loved them right where they were at. He always led with love and he went to parties and he ate with people and he stood up for the rejected. That's how Jesus always began it. 
And we need to be doing the same as well. It's so easy for us to go out pointing the finger. It's so easy for us to come out critical. It's so easy for us to come out with the wrong attitudes and the wrong motivations. But no, in your notes, evangelism must start with love. That we ask questions. We get to know people. If this is your gift, show love to people, especially those who are far from God. If this is your gift, figure out easy and effective ways to tell your story about what God has done in your life how he's transformed you, how he's given you freedom, how he's broken bondages or given you healing. And then we just invite. We invite. We share our faith. We invite people to come. We, we inspire people to, to get into scripture and read. See, Jesus, he hung around with people who needed God. Jesus hung out with the rejects. He hung out with the outcasts. See, we are not called to just separate from the world. We are called to permeate the world. We are called to be the salt and the light. We're called to influence this world. We are called to, to come and, and, and share the hope that we have with other people. We'll close with this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. It says, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and all and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. So what is this talking about here? When it comes to sharing your faith, each of us play a part. Paul is saying that some people will plant and some people will water, but it's ultimately God who makes the seed grow. See, we, we play a part here. Maybe you're planting a seed. Maybe you're watering the seed. Maybe you're pulling out some weeds. See, but God is the only one who can make the seed grow. In fact, on average, it takes somebody probably about six to seven conversations about faith before they would ever even consider crossing the line of faith. And the person who has that first conversation, they feel like it absolutely went nowhere, that they made absolutely no difference. But actually what they did was they planted the seed. And then the last person says, like, oh, look what I did. And they take all the credit for it. It's like, hold on, hold on. No, the only one that can take credit for this is Jesus. The only one that can take credit for this is the Holy Spirit, the one who's given us the gift. See, all we can do is be a sign that is pointing the way to Jesus. Are we pointing the way? Are we pointing the way to Jesus with our life? Are we always willing and looking for opportunities? Are we ready whether the time is favorable or not? This is a big one for that because sometimes you don't feel like sharing your faith. Sometimes you don't feel like it because you're having a bad mood or you're angry, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're going through uh, troubles and situations in your own life and then somebody comes up and says, you know what, I'm really broken, I'm really discouraged right now, can you help me? And you're like, no, I can't help you. But no, we need to be ready to give an answer for why we believe. See, God has given us freedom. God has given us forgiveness. God has given us new life. And once you experience it, it's up to us to now share it. See, we have the greatest purpose of all, the greatest purpose in all of the world to show people light, to give people hope, to offer people freedom, and to pass it on to the next person and the next person. You are invited to partner with God to reach this world. You have the opportunity to make a difference with your one and only life. What better thing could we use our one and only life for than reaching people who are far from God? We've been given this opportunity to expand his kingdom, to be his ambassadors here on this earth,
to go and share, to go and invite, to go and love, to go and tell our story to those who are hurting and broken and far from God. And if you've been given that gift, fan it into the flames because the kingdom of God will advance because of you. And if this is not your gift, learn how to do it anyway. Learn how to share, learn how to invite, learn how to stand strong for the things that you believe in. Let's pray. God, we come to you now and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you've given each and every one of us gifts. So help us to cultivate those gifts. Help us to fan those gifts into flame so that we can accomplish the work that you have called us to do. If you're here today, and maybe all this sounds a little foreign because you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. I know this is maybe a weird conversation for you. But let me tell you this. Jesus wants you in his family. And he's inviting you. And if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you call on his name, then you'll be saved. Won't you call on his name? Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm calling on your name. Because anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, please equip us. Please empower us to do the work that you've called us to do. Let us make a difference. Let us reach more men and women and boys and girls. Let us reach the people that come to our schools, that work in our workplaces, that are in our neighborhood. Let us reach our family and our friends. Let us even be an influence to those people that don't even like us, Lord, so they see our lives and they realize that something is different, let us be that light in this world. So we thank you for calling us. We thank you for equipping us. We thank you for empowering us. We thank you for gifting us to do this work. And we will follow you. We will use these gifts to accomplish the work that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.